0: Hello, and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore in the games of Blizzard Entertainment. I'm Ann Stickney, one of two lore focused writers from Blizzard Watch, and I've got both of my wonderful co hosts with me today. First up, he's a lore expert. He also really likes Warriors. That'd be Matt Rossi. Hey, Rossi, how's it going? Warriors? Warriors. Oh,
2: well, yeah, I guess I do play a few of those.
0: A few? Eh. Every now and again. A few.
2: Yeah. I think, like, the maximum amount of characters you can have is, like, what, 50?
0: On one account, yeah.
2: Yeah, and I have like forty-two warriors. I think. <laughs> I know I've got one. I've got two for every race because I have to have a male and a female. And I like to have, and I've got like a bunch for every. I've got like a bunch for every spec. Like I've got a bunch of arms warriors and a bunch of fairy warriors and a bunch of brought warriors. So yeah, I think I got like forty-two. Uh, I'll have to sit back at some point and ma- explain. To make sure I've got. I don't have one of every race anymore because I don't have one for every allied race yet.
0: Oh okay I haven't, got,
2: I haven't got all the horde allied races unlocked yet.
0: Okay. Well that's Rossi. Um speaking of which we've got our other co host with us and he likes Shaman and and he's also a lore expert, and that would be Joe Perez. Hey Joe.
1: Hello. How I don't have nearly sh- as many <laughs> I was I say, nearly how as many, shaman many as shaman Rossi.
0: Yeah.
1: But I'm close. I'm in the thirties.
0: Good lord, and I thought I was going overboard with like three rogues. Well, the um, problem is
1: a lot of them are from the days before yeah. we could cross realm, right? So, like, I just built characters on servers where my friends were in different yeah, factions. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: yep. Yeah, I have one alliance rogue, one horde rogue, and then I have a rogue that was rolled on a PvP server specifically to be a twink alt during Burning Crusade, if I remember right. Might have been vanilla. I think it was vanilla, actually. Anyway, regardless, they're still there. I haven't leveled them, but they are still there. They have a bunch of cool outdated completely useless stuff in their bags, too. It's great. Uh okay, so uh this week's lore watch Look, we're going to be totally honest with you. I'm going to apologize because the last couple of weeks we have gotten off on our tangents and everything and we never actually got to the emails that we intended to get to. So we have quite the backlog. So I figured, well, maybe we could start to address that backlog today and answer some of your emails because we say that we do that and then we don't actually do that. So I do want to like get some of this backlog out of the way. I don't think that we're going to reach every email in the bucket list here, but you know, if we hit one or two, I'll be happy. Speaking of emails though, if you have an email a question for the show in regards to World of Warcraft lore, Overwatch lore, any kind of Blizzard lore really, we answer pretty much everything guys you can send that to podcast at com. just be per- sure that you put lore watch in the subject line of the email so that we know that it's intended for this show and not the other one um that said let's hop right in uh first email is from Pitya who says question for lore watch greetings lore watchers it is I Pitya goblin elemental shaman and goblin enthusiast I have a question revol- involving the portrayal of goblins in Patch 8.2. First, is Gaslow a full member of the Horde, abandoning his neutrality? there's mentions from Savvy and Grizzik that Gazlow has to report to Gallywix. Gazlow also seems to go out of his way to invest his money more generously than goblins have been portrayed. I feel like it's a purposeful effort by Blizzard to change the portrayal of goblins in game. Do you agree? Bonus points for how nicer Gilblins are in Nazjatar as well. Thanks. So, what do you guys think? Gazlow's not really a full member of the Horde, is he?
2: He's not. Yep. No, he is. Mm. He was in charge of the he was in charge of the hordes.
1: In uh, rebuilding
2: right? operation in Durotar as well. He he built Durotar. Gazlowe is a member of the Horde. Uh, he doesn't hate the Alliance. He's said so multiple times. Uh, when you read about him in the, I can't remember the name of the book. Shattering. Yeah, when 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 Garrosh and uh, Karen had their fight, and Karen died, and uh, Gazlo helped Bane. He straight up says, you know, I'm not. I don't have anything against the the Alliance. So, but I work for the Horde. I, well, I yeah. think
1: I think that's just because his affiliations with the Grease Monkeys, which are hired out at this point, right? Like that's his group. That's the group from Ratchet. He was neutral for a very long time.
2: No, he was chief. He was chief engineer of Durotar. He's been. It, it's like saying you can't really okay, say he's okay. neutral.
0: He's. I answered this in a Q question a while back, so I'm going to go ahead and establish this. D- was he a chief engineer of the Horde? Yes, he was in Durotar back in Warcraft Three, like. Thrall pretty much hired him on to help mm-hmm. design Orgrimmar. Um once that was done and over with he left and he went to go ahead and establish the port town of Ratchet um, with the rest of the goblins Ratchet is a neutral city, Gaslow is technically, he's part of the whole um, Steamweedle cartel so he is technically neutral and I'm air quoting this But he's got obvious favoritism towards the Horde because the Horde gave him a really big substantial contract. And Thrall was really good about paying him on time. So there's kind of like, it's not necessarily loyalty. It's more like the money is over there. And he's not exactly enchanted with the Alliance at the moment because there was a bit in... Was it in Cataclysm? Yeah, it was in Cataclysm. When they did the Cataclysm revamp, one of the Alliance rear admirals wanted to prevent the horde from coming to Ratchet altogether, like from even using the city. And Gaslow didn't like that because it was like cutting off half of his profits. So the the little bit of goodwill that he had towards the Alliance kind of shriveled a little bit more at that point because so you yeah. don't you don't cut into a goblin's profits.
2: I still, I would actually dispute this because he again during Warlords of Draenor he doesn't just show favoritism towards the Horde. He straight up works for them, and not. Oh as yeah, a no, this was all pre-warlords. This right. was all
0: this was all yeah. pre-warlords. But the thing is, is like I think that in terms of taking contracts, he would take contracts for anyone, but he has a very he has a very obvious preference and leaning towards the Horde, and a lot of that has to do with what went down in Cataclysm, on top of previous contracts that he had with the Horde that turned out better so he hasn't like officially sworn himself to the Horde or anything he's not a member of the Bilgewater cartel like the goblins that are actually in the Horde he's still part of the Steamweedle so technically from the most bare bones technical standpoint he's supposed to be neutral is he? not so much he doesn't appear to be and especially with what happened in Warlords you're right about that Rossi I'm talking and about also, like free warlords I'd, and cataclysm here. I,
2: I'd also argue that his actions sense, especially in battle for Azeroth, especially in Mechagon show that he's not neutral. Uh, and he is oh, in yeah. fact working. To, to oh yeah. Ward.
0: No. And so, I, I, I don't argue with that. It's just, like I said, the early history, the stuff with um, him being chief engineer of the Horde and all of that back in Warcraft three, that was kind of a contracted position. It wasn't, It wasn't him swearing fealty to a faction or anything like that. It was, your money is good and you want me to do this big job. Okay. (laughs) I think he's got kind of a soft spot for the Horde because of that. And he's demonstrated that a couple of different times.
1: Um, I think so too. I think it was always a little more prevalent before uh, Gallywix was around. Because Gallywix seems, Gazo don't necessarily get along.
0: No, they do not.
1: And Gazlo is, like, even, even like, with the stuff with the Grease Monkeys, right? Like, even the stuff that leads up the Mechagon, is paying out of his own pocket to them. Like, he's paying them that, that overtime. And if I was reading the quest correctly, he's not even sure Gallywix is going to pay him. So, like, it, it's it's an interesting position to be in. I, I don't think any of the goblins really like Gallywix or have any sort of loyalty to him other than he's just got the most money right now and sort of the ear of the Banshee. So... Uh, I don't know, but he definitely has been portrayed as giving his money more generously than other goblins. Um, Gazlow has always been portrayed as giving, caring a little bit more about people, and I'm using people in quotes, like goblins and and stuff like that than some of the well, others. Well, I mean,
2: let's let's go back again to the shattering. Yeah, without Gazlow, Bane doesn't get away. Yep. Yeah, Gazlow did that, and he didn't do it for money. He did it because he liked Cairn. He even says, "You know, profit's profit, but I like the old bull." Yep. You know he, Gaslow it's not just Gaslow here I, I think we should, there's a stereotype of goblins being ridiculously mercantile, and they are ridiculously mercantile, but and galiero is
0: kind of like the embodiment of that yeah
2: there have been there have been a few goblins who have been portrayed as different uh the we' were just talking the the people who get mentioned in the first part is the savvy and grisic part. I mean there's some goblins that are more inventive and less mercantile uh your p c goblin is shown as being a little bit less mercantile mm-hmm. there's that the one the shaman one from cataclysm who is he his shamanism is definitely transactional, yeah, but he is portrayed as being i don't want to say brave, but I can't come up with a different word for what he 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 gets out there and fights for the you know earth and ring with the rest of them he's not it's not ultimately profit that he's after at least not gold and you know he's it's not money, it's a network of favors, you could say. But he he may be approaching it from a transactional level, but he's not um he's not a mercenary. He's
1: part of the Earthen Ring. And to be fair, like I think uh, every every thing you do is always framed by your own personal references. So goblins in that regard, like you're saying, it's almost uh transactionary, but that's the frame of reference that they know, right? So not necessarily that it's like you said, they're not just all cutthroat mercantile people. They're just framing it like that because that's how they understand it and even the like I the think... generous transactions have a sort of that feel to it uh, but... unlike the NPCs that have always like the NPCs are almost always portrayed to be cut through I think
2: well yeah but a lot of them aren't I mean that's what I'm trying to say is that goblins are as individual as anybody no I agree it's just that we haven't we don't have that many goblin NPCs really if you think about it we've got some but they're there's nowhere near as common it's like saying all hot, all blood elves are snooty. It's a it's a it's a prejudice and a bit of a joke. It isn't necessarily the, the case that they're actually all snooty. It's just compared the, the the blood elf personal energy comes off as a little nose in the air. But even when it's like Lady Liadrin, who is pretty down to earth for the former priest of the light who lost her light and then, you know, became a blood knight and then regained her faith in the light and became, you know, a full fledged paladin again and went back to, you know, she's her life story. When you start discussing it. Yeah, of course she's a little upper herself. She's got a lot of weight on her shoulders. She's very important to the future of her people. Of course, she's going to be a little like that. It's almost I, I like
0: um, people assuming that gnomes are all like ridiculously cute and kind of goofy.
2: And then yeah. you look at Mechagon, yeah, and then you look at It's yeah. like, oh no, or, no, that is or, not the case at all. <laughs> or Thermaplug, for that matter, going all the way back to good old sicko Thermaplug. That that's a guy who irradiated his own people. I mean, gnomes can be quite friggin' scary. Goblins can be generous. It's just their social framework is there. It's the context they grow up grow up in. Just like the society you grow up in every day is going to affect how you present yourself to the world how the world how you filter the world it's the way you look at life it's sort Same of like
0: them. um when you like somebody you get them a present or you tell them they look nice or whatever right for a goblin, if they like somebody, they give them 25% off. You know, it's like <laughs> that's it, it, it's the framework in which they've like grown up and existed. And I feel like goblins in general, we haven't really gotten a lot of goblins. We have a lot of goblin NPCs out there. You're right. We do. But there aren't a lot out there that have had any kind of narrative written around them. No, to, like there's a the one the we... point. Yeah. yeah, there's
2: like the one in Gadgetzan who's like, it's her and a gnome and they're both spy masters. Yeah. But you don't get to know anything about her other than mm-hmm. she's there and she's a goblin. Yeah. I mean, that's...
0: There's a few different ones like that. And I feel like Gazlo, I think Gazlo actually in the Shattering novel, that was the first time that I saw Gazlo as something more than traditional goblin because the quests and things that he gives you, it's he's got a very... In all of the quest text and everything back in Vanilla, he always had the very goblin quest text and it had a very goblin feel to it. He wanted you to, to go take care of business for him so that he could continue doing his business and that kind of thing. And it wasn't really until I read The Shattering and there was that comment about Cairn that I was like, oh, okay, there's more to this guy. There is more to this guy. Um, Gallywix... Nobody's really a huge fan of Gallywix. And frankly, the only reason that Gallywix is leading the Bilgewater cartel right now is because Thrall spared his life and (laughs) left him in charge. And I don't think that there's anybody that is particularly happy about that, but they're dealing with it because they don't really have a choice. He's the one that's pulling the strings. Um... And I know that, Pitya, you mentioned in your email that uh, Savvy and Grizzik said that Gaslow has to report to Gallywix. Well, yeah, he does, technically speaking, because he's working on the Horde's behalf for something. So even though he doesn't necessarily like Gallywix, um, or agree with Gallywix, he still, still has does.
1: to that's still the holder of the contract
0: yeah contractually speaking he's obligated to report to Gallywix and honestly if you played on the horde side and you have obviously um if you played on the horde side that whole quest chain where you're sent to go hunt down Grizzik and Savvy and figure out what happened to them um Gallywix wants you to do it and he wants you to do it because he wants to like get them out of the picture, he wants his revenge when you leave the boat after accepting that quest from Gallywix is on the dock and he stops you and he says I'll pay you more than what Gallywix is if you let these guys go Mm -hmm. and just, you know, tell Gallywix oh, you didn't find him (laughs) so like um, Gaslow's obviously not working in cahoots with Gallywix at all I don't think he even really likes Gallywix
1: I mean, and if you do the going back to the Goblin starting zone, right? Like when you start rolling a Goblin the first time, nobody likes him because how he got to be where he is is yeah. essentially, well, you want to live. Give me all of your money. Literally all of it, because that means uh nobody can possibly challenge me to be the trade prince. Peace. Um, nobody likes him. Uh, the other side of that that I, I, I do want to point out that I do agree with P- Pitya real quick is I do like how the goblins are portrayed. Yeah. In Najatar. They're very not typical goblins and i like that because up to this point anytime we've seen giblins they've just been sort of meatheads uh feral nasty yeah Yeah. and now we're actually getting them and they're like oh okay they actually have personalities they have an entire culture they've been oppressed by azara for all this time uh, and dealing with her bs so i kind of like that they're given a chance to be more than just a backdrop race
0: yeah Okay, well, we're going to go ahead and move on to the next email here, and this is from the Kunkka who says, greetings lore masters I just completed catching up on all your episodes at episode 100 now keep in mind that we are much later than that like, right now so apologize it's taken so long to get to your email but that's okay because I like the email very much uh, he said, to celebrate I wanted to write in with a simple question based on your final question of episode 100, could the next expansion be the end times may the earth mother guide you the konka I, okay I want to tie this one into the next email, if you guys don't mind, because I think that the next email actually talks about some of the stuff that might be relevant to this question, if that's okay. Okay. Uh, So the next email is. It has no name on it. I'm very upset about this. I thought it did, but that's okay. Uh, The next email says, Greetings, Lorewalkers. I was getting caught up on episodes of Lorewatch, and you talked about the potential future of the Dragonflights, and it got me thinking. We haven't heard from Alexstrasza for a while now, which is surprising given the death of Ysera and the losses dealt to her flight by the Deathlord. Lord. The Deaths of Chromie scenario also stands out as a dangling thread, plus the whole deal with Wrathion and the return of his agents, it seems like Blizzard might be setting the groundwork for a Dragonflight-themed expansion. Is it possible that we'll see an expansion focused around the Dragonflights finally starting to take an active role again? Alexstraza has good motivation for trying to regain her life powers, Wrathion is in a good position to start making moves following whatever the fallout of Battle for Azeroth is. Um, maybe resurrecting the black dragon flight. We could use some earth borders about now. The green dragon flight needs a new leader, and it would be a good time for the bronze flight to go infinite and serve as the catalyst and main threat for the expansion. I could even imagine a dragon-based race for the expansion or a new class based on harnessing dragon abilities. Red flight for healing, black for tanking, blue for ranged DPS. A dragon expansion would be a swerve on Blizzard's part, but not the most unexpected idea they've run with by far. Hello, warlords. Um, And then they close by saying tinfoil hat time is their favorite. I I feel like I feel like if we were going to do an end time thing, it seems like only natural that the dragon flights would be involved in some way or another. And this person does have some good points as far as maybe there should be activity where there hasn't been any or what have these people been doing behind the scenes? That kind of thing. I don't know. What do you guys think?
1: I'll let Rossi go first.
2: Okay. This is going to require a bit of help. Okay. I'm putting it in the chat so you two can see it while I talk about it. There's a thing that they were going to do way back when they were first developing World of Warcraft. Oh, oh I man, see. Yes. Old school. Yeah. 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 It's a map. If you look at the map at the north, Pasqual Thalas, there's a place called the Dragon Dragon Isles. isles. Yep. And it was going to be a raid with old God temples on these Dragon Isles. Like implying that the, dra- the dragons on those isles had fallen under the sway of the old gods, uh, possibly it was related to um, the Black Dragon Flight. Uh, it didn't get done; <clears throat> it didn't actually get in the game. But the islands were there up until I think Wrath. They, yeah, there were islands. There were islands off the coast of of northern Eastern Kingdoms. They they were just there. You couldn't really get to them, but they existed. Uh, <clears throat> they later basically used the idea for Quel'Thalas and you know the Isle of Quel'Thalas. They they kind of the use Sunwell. the idea. The yeah. Yeah. But since rathion's people have been talking about the Dragon Isles in this expansion, I've been thinking about them and what, why they would come up. Why is Rathion talking about them? If we're going to do... One of the things we... I feel like we're at this point I'm going to have to throw out a mild spoiler, spoiler warning here for the end of the Azshara raid. Yeah, let's so go if, ahead and do that. If, if you haven't seen the end of that raid, if you don't know what happens... I don't know. Skip ahead or come back when you have, because you can you can view the cinematic online, or you can go kill Ashara if your raid's doing that. But uh, at the end of that raid, Ashara is fighting the players, and she's telling you, you know, thank you for bringing the heart of Azeroth to us, because it's exactly what we needed to open a Titan's prison, the heart of you know, the heart of a Titan, and you know, and, th- and that's what the the whole encounter is about. You know, Ashara is stealing power from the heart to open the. Uh, the prison, and uh, I think it's Felisra who says. Felisra makes a comment like, "Oh my, she's stealing the power from the heart." And Ashara's like, "You just noticed. I think quite a high Arcanist you are, or something to that effect." She's she's quite sarcastic. It's brilliant. When the fight ends, it, when we beat Ashara, we fail. We do not succeed in stopping her. She opens the locks. It's in fact entirely possible that she needed to die to do it. Because she goes face down, we're at that moment like, oh, I think we won, and then the chains break, and the Titan's prison opens, and Nazoth is free. And the first thing Nazoth does is grabs Ashara, whose eyes open, and she takes a huge breath, signifying that she's still alive. So either she wasn't quite dead, or she was and he brought her back. And then he vanishes, and when he vanishes, he says something like, all eyes will be opened. And since that happened, I've been thinking about what that means and what Rathion has to do with it. Because rathion has been watching the whole time. When we were upgrading the Heart of Azeroth, Rathion's people were watching us. If you go to, the first one you go to is the the Black Dragonflight's uh, Neltharion's Lair in, in, a, in a I want to say Legion, because the High Mountain, in High Mountain. When you go there, you, you can find them watching Ebonhorn, which means now that Rathion knows about Ebonhorn. And they won't talk to you much. They're just like, you know, yeah, you, you do what you're doing. We're, you know, we're we're keeping an eye on you. <laughs> we're just Rem- here
0: observing. La, la, eventually,
2: la. eventually they do say, they do mention the Dragon Isles. They mention that Rathion is looking for the Dragon Isles and that the other Dragon Flights are not being forthcoming with the location. Uh,
0: There's actually a quest yeah. item that you can get from Island Expeditions.
2: Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, that keeps me thinking, like, Rhaeyon has ingested the heart of an old of an of a titan, uh, specifically one of the titan forged, uh the one that contained Amonthul's essence because it was a high keeper ra had was one of the two that had Amonthul's essence and he removed it from himself and then later on he had his heart stolen by Shen, and Rhaeyon has consumed it. So Rhaeyon has all this knowledge from Amonthul that he doesn't really know how to process or understand. And he even said, you know, what, he even says he's forgotten it after he ingests it. But that doesn't mean he doesn't still have an inkling of what he saw while he had it. And that has me thinking, like, why is he looking for the Dragon Isles now? What's the connection to the old gods? What's the connection to the heart of Azeroth? Because we still have the heart, even though it's been used to open the Titan's prison. We still have it. What's There's stuff going on here. I think by the end of this expansion, I, I think the end of this expansion will be dealing with the stuff, the faction conflict and all that. And I think we've, we're have we going to see the threads of this expansion carried forth into the next one. The way that, that warlords, the threads of warlords carried into Legion.
1: And Legion into this.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think we're going to have the stuff that doesn't... 8.2 is going to be one of those raids where it doesn't directly affect this expansion. It goes into the next one. And I think we're going to see the Dragon Isles in the next expansion. I think we're going to see the Dragon Flates. I think by the end of this expansion, it'll turn out that the Hour of Twilight was a feint. It was Nazoth using Deathwing to basically get them to trigger it early, mm-hmm. to get them to use their powers up early so that they could be removed from play. Because look what happened after. Uh, Nozdormu is effectively out of the picture. If he's not already starting to turn into Murazond, um, Ysera is dead uh Malagos is gone he's been dead since Wrath but you know Caligos, his replacement is n- non effective uh Alexstraza is not doing much of anything and the dragons are dying and i think by the end of this by the time we go into the next expansion the dragonflights are going to need to come back i think the fact that we're we're gathering dragonflight essences into the heart mm-hmm. means that that at some point in the future uh the Azeroth itself will empower them They'll say, nope, I still need dragons. I still need guardians. I still need protectors. Or Magni will, because Azeroth can't yet, because Azeroth is still a baby. Um, but something along those lines, because the dragons are... The dragons have been taken out of the way, and now the old gods have a, have free reign. They have a free shot. There's nothing to stop them but us. And we have not exactly proved really good at it up to this point. I think solidly half of the the pc you know character base kept that stupid eye on their foreheads so yeah. um yeah i definitely think the dragon Flights and the dragon isles are going to be a big deal in the next expansion that's my thing
1: so i'm inclined to agree with you uh about the dragon isles being the thing because, uh, same thing like you said it's been mentioned a lot but i also started thinking about when we were talking before about the broken guardian and when when we were in the chamber of the heart uh, the Vitality, Mother of Vitality, or, or something like that, uh, Maiden of Vitality, and she starts talking about all these other places, right? Well, I'm almost confident that, especially with, like, the heart and us gathering the essences and stuff like that, there's probably a Titan facility up in the Dragon Isles. There, There's probably one of those ones that get mentioned or one of those ones that don't get mentioned, but, like, we can't be named or whatever, uh, and it would make sense that we would go there, and if we go through all of the other Titan facilities we've seen in the past, they've all had a way to kickstart something or regenerate something, whether it was the halls of stone and making earthen and uh, the stone vicryl, uh, that engine of origination that's broken um, or any of these other things. What if that's a way to kickstart the power of the dragons again? And that's what rathion saw. That's what Ratheon, that little glimpse of, of, and that's why he's looking for the dragon isles because like you said, dragons are dying. Uh, The only ones that know that would have known anything on how to fix that, to fix the well, uh, the breeding problem, we'll say, even at the most basic level, because they're not producing new young uh, would be the Titans. They're the ones that empowered them to begin with or or, well, in some capacity, right? their power is what flowed through them. going to the Dragon Isles to find sort of what might be an engine to kickstart the apotheosis of the dragon uh, dragon flights. Again, I could see that being a thing. I can also see that being the first step of the next expansion. I still think that's going to be our, our, our I think everything's going to lead into dealing with the void. Uh, I think that's where we're going to be going with it. And I think that that's going to be the first step. Cause like you said, they did it for so long. Azeroth is starting to lose protectors at this point. And if we go somewhere else to go deal with it, to go deal with the void, to go deal with them, what are we going to leave behind to protect from what's here? And I think we're going to need the dragons to help kick the old gods and the the void touches off Azeroth. And then we're going to leave them behind to go do something else. And I have a theory on that, which we can talk about later, but I think that is going to be the first step. And I think that's going to be the first part of resolution from this expansion is dealing with dragons in the next expansion.
0: I feel like in some ways, and I mean, I think we've talked about this before when we were talking about the end time stuff. Um, I, I'm going to, I'm going to bring up something that I wrote in the queue a few weeks ago. Um, Because I keep going back to the whole Hour of Twilight thing, right? And how the Cataclysm expansion, it felt like like a big moment where we did something really substantial. But then at the end of it, it was kind of a womp womp because the dragons got the short end of the stick out of all of it, right? Mm -hmm. And it was like, well, why would the Titans set them up for that? Like, that just seems like... A horrible thing to set them up with like here's your purpose okay you fulfilled your purpose now your powers are all gone and you guys are just gonna die out and I was like wow that's that's just like a raw deal and we've talked about this before where it seems like that's just kind of a raw deal it's like here be the protectors of the planet and then once you finish that we're gonna just make it so you die out entirely that that didn't really seem like it didn't really seem like a very honorable thing to do and then The more that things started coming up, um, especially in Battle for Azeroth, it, I don't know, we've been talking about end time as not possibly really being end time. And I go back to, um, you guys remember fighting Yogg-Saron and you went into the brain room and there was always like those visions in there, like the different visions.
1: The the three different visions, yeah.
0: Yeah, there was one with uh, Bolvar being tortured. Which came to pass. There was one with... What was... Garona
2: of, kills King ren Garona, yeah. There
0: was four of okay, them, yeah, so, so there, Gar- was that,
1: there was the Dragon Shrine too, right?
0: Garona kills kills um, King Wren. There was... Uh,
2: the creation of the Dragon Soul.
0: The creation of the Dragon Soul. And then, wasn't there one more? Was there one more?
1: There was, the, was one the three, I remember. Go there ahead. was the Dragon Temple.
2: That is the creation of the Dragon Soul. That's the creation of the Dragon yeah,
1: Soul. Okay, then there was the Death Knight one, right?
2: That's Bolvar. Used... That's, that's Bolvar. Bolvar. Okay, so
0: There's there were three. three. There were three. And Bolvar came back into relevancy at the end of Ice Crown Citadel. The thing with the Dragon Soul seemed to be coming to pass in Cataclysm because Deathwing came back. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that third one, what was the third one again?
2: The death of King Lane.
0: The death of King Lane, that seemed to be almost a reference to, like, Warlords, even, at that point, because it was like, Garona, Garona came back and we worked with her pretty extensively in Warlords, um... It was weird. It was weird because everything that we were being shown, it was like, why would the Old God consider these events relevant? Okay, I get the Bolvar thing because he was like a big part of Wrath of the Lich King, but these other two, why are these other two relevant? And then they kind of showed up and they were a little bit relevant later and it was like, oh, wow, okay, so the Old God's just kind of sneaky like that, right? That was Yogg-Saron. Nizoth has been dreaming all of this time, kind of like, in slumber or what have you And it was revealed That he was responsible for The corruption of Deathwing Which okay that makes sense That's, that's probably why we saw the creation of the Dragon Soul stuff because that came up in Cataclysm Right? Except that The more I think about it, the more I'm like, well, when we think about where we had to go to get everything taken care of, we had to go to the end time scenario in order to defeat Murazond to free up the timeways so we could go back and get the Dragon Soul and defeat Deathwing and all of that, right? When I was talking about this in the Q question, I said, really look at it. In this future, Deathwing is dead in our future in our right now deathwing is dead because we killed him in end time Taronda has fallen to darkness enveloped in perpetual midnight in our future where we're at right now Taronda has embraced the aspect of the night warrior embodying the darkness of Alloon's wrath in end time we saw a Bane who was enraged by his failure to protect the world. And most importantly, the Horde in our future Banes, one of the few in the Horde who's quietly voicing his dissent about the direction that the Horde has gone and the Horde's current leadership. And, I'd argue
1: not so quietly.
0: Yeah, but it's getting louder. It was quiet to begin with, but it's getting yeah. louder. Um, in end time, Jaina has been shattered and split into pieces in the midst of what appears to be a pretty heated battle between Alliance and Horde. In our future where we were at right now Jaina was frozen for a good long while trapped and frozen between the optimist and diplomat she used to be and the bitter vengeful woman she'd become in the wake of Theramore in End Time so maddened Sylvanas has lost everything she fought for and she's lashing out at anything still living and in our future what is Sylvanas doing? it feels like in a way like the brain room of Yog saron where we were seeing these echoes of events that hadn't happened yet and then they came to pass later only this time it's like the end of cataclysm the stuff that happened in end time the stuff that we saw in end time was an echo of things that hadn't happened yet maybe And now they're coming to pass, which makes me wonder and made a lot of people wonder because a lot of people have been, you know, speculating about this. It hasn't just been us. Mm -hmm. If what we saw as end time, the thing that we supposedly prevented and I'm air quoting here by preventing the hour of twilight, were we did we even experience the hour of twilight at all?
1: And I still maintain that we as heroes are so easily manipulated because you put a big bat in front of us and we just want to go punch it in the face and we don't think about the long-term consequences. Totally possible.
2: Well, here's the thing, though. Think about this. We didn't prevent the thing we we showed up to do in the first place because when we got there, we couldn't go forward because Murazond was blocking us. And in order to get past him, we went and killed Murazond in front of Nozidormo. Yeah. Who is Murazond thus closing the loop, we didn't prevent it, we started it. That's where Murozand comes from. The thing he says to Amanthul at the end of his life is him saying, but, you know, when you showed me, you know, this is everything we've done. When we kill Nosdormu in front of Nosdormu, we are saying to Nozdormu, this is your future. This is your fate. This is it happening. You now have not just... It's not just a vision. It's fact right in front of you. You have witnessed for yourself the end of your loop. The moment of your demise. He has to become Murazond. And he even says it in the future, I will fall to madness. He doesn't say I might fall to madness. He says I will fall to madness.
0: It is a certainty now because
2: we're in that loop. Yeah, we did it. From that moment the door closed when we therefore go and get the dragon soul and use it against deathwing and do that whole thing to end deathwing's threat forever we, we're just progressing along the path that's going to contribute to his fall to madness because he loses his ability to perceive time he loses his powers entirely after that but the hourglass happens, is broken what happens to the guardian of time when he can no longer guard time Woo-hoo. and you see you watch as the the bronze dragonflight, you know kairos tries to find another way to do their job mm-hmm. they're trying to find other ways what is what is nozdormu doing we see in a vision uh i can't remember her name but she's she's nozdormu's mate uh Sorodormi? we see her dead we don't see who kills her We We see see
0: Kairos walking away from her.
2: We don't see who kills her, though. We don't see that Kairos did it. We just see that he witnessed something. If right now, if Morozond is alive right now, what was the thing when you first go to the first, when you first go to Black Morass and you're fighting the various bosses, one of them actually says, we will break this clockwork universe.
1: And now now that the timeline's been fixed because we fixed it to that one that one steady line they have to break it to make everything happen again yeah okay i see that
2: so from from the very beginning the infinite dragonflight was inevitable because everything we did made it inevitable we contributed mm-hmm. to it we didn't just contribute to it we straight up made it happen yeah yep like we go in like think about why somebody wants to kill chromie in the first place we never find out who sent those you know the attempts on chromie's life Why? Who would want Chromie dead? And why do they want Chromey dead? And she seems so unconcerned about it all. Mm -hmm. There's the the whole idea of the old gods. One of the things we know about the old gods is they're the ones that altered our timeline in the first place by changing the War of the Ancients, by sending, you know, um, Broxigar back in the first place. And
0: Ronan, yeah.
2: Yeah, Ronan, no, Ronan went back on his own. He didn't get sent back by the Old Gods. He oh, and, no, uh, not Crassus... by the Old Gods.
0: Yeah, they got sent back by Nostormu.
2: Yeah, yeah. he and Crassus got sent back by dormu to try and repair it. But the Old Gods, we have never played as, in World of Warcraft. If you started playing in World of Warcraft, you've never played in a Warcraft universe that hadn't been altered. Mm-hmm. Everything, the timeline we have been in from day one is a different timeline than the one that went before. Broxigar did not happen in the original timeline. Ronin wasn't there teaching, you know, Illidan stuff in the original timeline. They altered things, and those alterations have propagated forward to this future that we're in right now. And for all we know, all of that was to set up the end times that we experienced, and the Dragon Soul raid that we went through, and that use of the Dragon Soul that we made. All of it was to make that possible to depower the Dragonflights in the first place. To bring about a future where there's nobody to stop them. Because Nozdormu isn't able to stop them anymore. He doesn't have his powers. And he's succumbing to madness. We, It will happen if it has not already happened.
0: Broxigar was the butterfly.
2: Yeah. Broxigar going through and, and not only wounding Sargeras. He wounded Sargeras. Everything from day one. We've been so focused on the threat of the Legion. We've been so focused on what they would do. We took our eyes off of the old gods and step by step, going back to that moment that they changed 10,000 years ago, they have been setting all the dominoes in place to remove all opposition from the board. There's and nothing. we've been doing half of it
1: for them.
0: Including oh, yeah. the Burning Legion. Mm-hmm. And Which, right what now, was the Burning
1: Legion originally founded for?
0: To get rid of them. Yeah. Yeah. So there's one other email that I want to address here. Um, because this involves a theory that I've been kind of quietly kicking around, but haven't really found enough evidence for yet. However, since they brought it up, I figured, you know what, why don't we discuss it? Cause it is kind of a fascinating theory to begin with. Um, and this is from Zorth, Zorthios on Zolgen. um, He says, Hello, Watchers, with Rathion not appearing in any of the recent expansions, we can assume he's working on something behind the scenes. Obviously, we've been talking about the Dragon Isles and all of this. Um, Anyway, so Zorthios continues, We know he's looking for the Dragon Isle, but that's it. Do you think that he was the one who told Vol'jin to appoint Sylvanas Warchief? It would make sense if she's trying to unite the two factions like you guys suggested, since Rathion wanted one faction as well. Thank you for the hard work that you do, Zortheos. This is something that I've been kicking around over the last couple of months, but I haven't been able to pull together enough evidence to really kind of support it. However... At the end of Miss of Pandaria, when Varian spares Garrosh's life and decides to bring him to trial, and all of this other stuff, rathion is throwing an absolute fit because what he wanted to do—the whole reason he wanted to like bring both factions together and everything—was to fight against this like the fact that we couldn't fight against any of these big enemies while we were still at war with each other and when he left he said that he was still going to he said he doesn't, didn't care how he had to do it he was going to make it happen um, which was kind of comical coming from a black dragon whelp as he flew off at the same time the things that he did after that, the little things that he did after that it kind of made me wonder was he pushing for all of this to happen so that he could get what he didn't get in Mists of Pandaria? He could get a resolution to that war between Alliance and, and Horde. Um because obviously having Garrosh in charge of the Horde wasn't enough of a horrible person for the other facts for the Alliance to actually take take him out. Like take him out entirely. <clears throat> But Sylvanas.
1: So random thought. Yeah. Dragons we know can polymorph themselves into humanoid creatures, right? Oh, yes. We Have we ever established if they could masquerade as somebody that already exists?
0: I don't think so.
1: Because if he's sitting there talking, he, we haven't seen him in forever. We don't know what he's doing. He's got a whole bunch of black ops. I mean, what if it turns out that like, I, I mean, and again, this is just completely out there. I don't think it's it's likely but you know we pull off the mask of sylvanas at the end and it turns out it was Rathian all along
2: no i don't think that's the case
1: yeah i don't think so either but i'm just throwing it out
2: there. um at the uh end, during the events of war crimes <clears throat> one of the things that happens is that the uh, various partisans that work for that that want to see Garash escape attack the the temple of the, of the white tiger during his trial riding on infinite dragons and Wrathion helps them. Yep. And Wrathion helps Garrosh escape uh, with Kyra's help. That's Wrathion is involved in that. Uh, he even takes pains to make sure that Anduin isn't immediately in danger. I, I don't remember exactly what he does, but he does something. Did he knock him out or whatever? I, I honestly don't remember.
0: Yeah. He knocked him out and locked him up.
2: Yeah. But so Wrathion has worked with the infinite dragon flight. He then, the next time that I remember hearing about him, he travels over to... To the Dranor created by Garrosh and Kairos, um, and he's he's only seen in reports. Uh, I believe it's Admiral Taylor, not Admiral Taylor.
0: Yeah, it it's Admiral, Admiral Taylor? Taylor's journal.
2: Yeah, it's in his journal that Wrathion comes through and spends a little time in his garrison before moving on to whatever it is he's doing on the on the world. And we don't find out any more about that. We don't know what he was doing there. Uh, we don't. There's lots of reasons he might have been there. He might have been after some of the Arakoa relics. He might have been there wanting to know more about Grand and the origins of the orcs and you know the ogres, uh, the 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 you know creation of the breakers and the primals, the the, the magic of Draenor. Who knows? We don't know what he was doing there. No he idea. was
0: he was basically he sought asylum in the garrison because supposedly he had somehow angered the local ogres he didn't give mm-hmm. any more details than that in the journal.
2: Yeah, and there's lots of reasons. I mean, the the ogres, the the Gorian Empire for instance created the red pox on Ardranor. So and it was because the Apexus relics that the ogres in both in both worlds, the ogres learned magic because the the Aracoa taught it to them. And the Aracoa taught it to them because they wanted to get Apexus relics but the, the Ogron wouldn't let them have it when they, we tried to get it. The Ogron just attacked and murdered them. They wouldn't trade. So they went to the ogres and said, you know, you want to overthrow the Ogron? Uh, we can teach you magic. And the ogres were like, okay. It turned out the ogres are really good at magic. Like not all of them, but the ones with two heads really good at magic because they derive from a Titan creation. Remember they're all descended from Grand. Yep. So they, they're effectively count as Titan forged. And they're very good at magic. Uh, ogres like humans. Ogres pick it up very quickly. Uh, so the uh, ogres learned from the Apexus relics. They they didn't give them to the uh, to the aracoa when they had the chance because you know no if we're going to keep it and use them because we're, it gives us power. Why would we share that with you? <laughs> no, we're not giving them to you either. But the, the Apexus relics contained many secrets, uh, and some of the secrets were, for instance, the the curse of Seath that you know blighted the Aracoa. The ogres on on the, the Draenor that became Outland used that to create the Red Pox, which is why the orcs then went to the elements and said, "Just can we just destroy Haimol, please? Just just destroy it. And so a cataclysmic elemental firestorm, not a firestorm, an elemental every element storm, erupted and completely annihilated Haimol on, on our Draenor. And it was so bad that the orcs are like, oh, let's never team up again. Let's, let's, not... let's just not do that anymore. Yeah. The thing where we all get together and form like an army of just all the Orc clans, let's not do that again. And it wasn't until Gul'dan, not Gul'dan, sorry, uh, it wasn't until Nerzul that they ever tried it again because that was so bad. So I'm saying what I'm getting at is there's lots of secrets on either Draenor that he might have been interested in. We don't know what he was doing, but we do know he went to that world. The next time we see him is during the Chromie scenario where he's just hanging out at the Black Dragon Shrine. Doesn't explain why he's there. He's like, oh yeah, I was just visiting. And keep in mind, that's in an alternate future? Yeah. So we don't know if our Rathion has been going there or not. And we don't know. Since then, we've not still not seen him, but we've seen his agents wandering around watching us as we're assembling the, the Heart of Azeroth. So what I'm getting at is Rathion, I don't think he's doing something as like what Joe said, although Joe wasn't being serious and I get his point, but I do think that Rathion is very deeply involved in something. Oh yeah. And what I suspect is, I don't think he's the one that told Volgin to appoint Sylvanas. No. I, not, I don't think, the reason I don't think he's the one that did that is because he would recognize that she is a terrible agent. So if you want to control an outcome, putting Sylvanas Windrunner in is absolutely the wrong thing to do. She's not a good for, she, she's not a good catalyst. She doesn't make a good pawn, especially if she finds out she's being used. And she's so paranoid, it's extremely hard for her not to find out she's being used because she'll assume you're trying to use her whether or not you are. I honestly think we're going to when we find out who it was that, that told Volgen to do this, it's going to be something like all right, you want to hear my really crazy theory? Of course. Of course. It's Hakar. <laughs> okay. Hakar did it. And that's why Hakar has not shown up. That's why there's no sign of Hakar. Even when the blood god started erupting throughout Zandalar, the Zandalar's greatest enemy, who calls himself a blood god and who started the original blood plague that created the blood trolls in the first place, was nowhere to be seen. Hakar has made no appearances. Mm-hmm. Why? And. Who would hate the Darkspear Trolls enough to mess with Vol'jin? Well, Hakar, if it wasn't for the Darkspear Trolls, and plus at the same time, he kind of owes Vol'jin because the Darkspear Trolls are the ones who balked the Zandalari when, when, when Hakar was being captive. In, during Cataclysm, Hakar was stuck inside Zul'Gurub. He was being used by Jindo, Jindo the Godbreaker was holding him in, pl- in in the astral plane he was using those chains to to hold him there and drain his power the same way that the Drakari trolls were using up in northrend the same way that that you know um zul was trying to do in in this expansion to the to the various loa so there's stuff going on here there's there's a, i really think hakkar is involved i think rathion's role is very much right now he's in observation mode and i think that he's trying to find the dragon isles because he thinks that's where he can fix things mm-hmm. i don't think he's he's manipulating sylvanas to to destroy the alliance or horde i think he's going for a much bigger plan yeah but- what
1: he didn't see what he saw wasn't like it for lack of a better term there's a bigger threat we need to deal with there's something bigger that needs to happen he's focused on that
0: here's my here's the reason I went to Rathion in the first place. And like I said, I'm still poking around for evidence. But the reason that I went to Rathion for in the first place is because... How did Rathion come to be? How did we oh, make him? The Titan,
2: the Titan creation bit? Yeah, we used a Titan device to purify a bunch of different Black Dragon eggs into one.
0: We still don't know what that device actually did. But there's something about Rathion that is different. And it's not just that he's an uncorrupted black dragon. It's that he's essentially a titan-forged dragon, in a way, in a way. Wait.
2: Well, I just saw something else about Dreadwath well, Just as you were talking, it occurred to me. Mm-hmm. Why do we assume that when he calls Deathwing father, that it's metaphorical?
0: Because uh, I believe uh, Creative Development said that... that um Yeah.
2: Yeah, they did say that, but creative development says lots of things. (laughs) Yeah, they do. And then later on, suddenly, maybe not. Walks it back, yeah. And that's something I've been thinking about for a while. Deathwing shows up during that quest line. He, He knows what Rhea is doing. Yeah. And he does not like it. No. And it's... Deathwing doesn't often show up personally. Just, you know, it's not... He doesn't show up personally when we destroy all the eggs at the bastion of twilight he doesn't show up personally when we go to you know the the black dragon shrine and destroy all the twilight eggs you know that Sartarians guarding why does he show up personally for what rhea's doing yeah that's something that you know you're talking about him being titanforged and that what if he's not just titanforged what if he is the actual heir
0: well here's here's my thought behind all of this like I said, when we created rathion it was, we used a black whelp corpse a wild black dragon egg and one of the eggs from Nyxondria and scrambled all those together somehow using the Eye of the Watchers that's what that device was called and we don't know what the Eye of the Watchers was really intended for, what it's intended use was, because it's once once it finished doing what it was doing, it took off. And we never saw it again. But ever since then, Rathion, from the moment he hatched, he was kind of fixated on this whole quest of purifying the world in some ways. Because when we first encounter him, you first encounter him if you play a rogue. You encounter him during Cataclysm, um, right after he's hatched. And the first thing that he wants you to do is he wants you to get rid of the last of the corrupted black dragons that are currently plaguing Azroth. He sends that rogue out specifically to dispatch all of those. Ending with Deathwing. Deathwing is the last one on his list. And as far as he is concerned, once that task is taken, is done with, it's over and done with, he's happy and he leaves. um, Because he's heard rumors of a new land or something like that, he's he's like, I'm going to go take off and see what there is to see. And he takes off and he just leaves you with your really, really cool weapons, legendary weapons and whatnot. And we don't see him again until Missa of Pandaria. Um, he went to Pandaria when nobody else really knew Pandaria was a thing. He was already there and well-established when we arrived. Um, when you show up and you start talking to him, he gives this big story about how he see- he's seen this terrible threat to Azeroth, and it's divided Azeroth, and we need to come together if we ever hope to conquer it. And he shows us this vision of Azeroth being bombarded with like these fell fireballs. Uh, it's the Burning Legion. The Burning Legion is coming. He knows that they're coming, and he says that the only way to prepare Azeroth for that coming threat is to have... The two factions duke it out. One of them wins, dominates the other. So it's one united group fighting against the Burning Legion. And that's how we're going to defeat the Legion. But he can't just ask the rogues that helped him for this. He has to ask everyone to help him with this. So he leads us on this merry goose chase through Pandaria under this assumption that he's doing all of this to help us unite, come together, so we can defeat the Burning Legion when the Burning Legion shows up. At the end of Mists of Pandaria, in the siege of Orgrimmar, the Alliance technically has the upper hand. They have caught Garrosh Hellscream. They could get rid of him. They could dismantle the Horde. Jaina's pushing for it, even. And Varian says, no. But Varian also says, if you ever cross us again... We're not gonna hold back, um. And they take Garrosh into custody, and then all of that stuff with war crimes happens, where he deliberately lets Garrosh go. He let he helps Kairos take Garrosh to this alternate Draenor, and we all go to this alternate Draenor, and we have this big adventure there. And then what happens at the end of Warlords of Draenor? What happens? We defeat everything in Draenor, and um, Archimond Chucks Gul'dan through a portal and sends him to bring the Burning Legion to Azeroth. Basically, by arriving there and doing what we have done, we are the catalyst that brings the Legion to Azeroth. I don't think that Wrathion was unaware of this fact. And the more I think about it, the more I wonder, that initial vision that Wrathion showed us, the one that got us like, all focused on working for with him and everything. The one where the Legion was coming and we all had to unite to get together and actually like wipe it out and all this other stuff. Where was he during Legion? Where was he? Nowhere. Did we see him? No. Was that weird? Yes, because that seemed to be his 100% focus. That was supposedly the reason that he was talking to us throughout all of Miss Pandaria was that he, he wanted us to prepare for the coming of the Burning Legion. The Burning Legion arrived. Was rathion anywhere to be seen? No. And that was weird. It was mm-hmm. really weird. It was weird through the whole expansion, and I talked about how weird it was through the whole expansion. And now that the Legion is gone, and we've dealt with it, and we have this big sword in the planet, now Rathion's showing up again? So what was his deal? And I keep going back to how we created rathion with the eye of the watchers and everything else. It I don't think that Rathion was concerned with the legion coming back. I think he wanted the alliance and horde to unite, not to defeat the legion, but for some other purpose. And it didn't work and he was really upset about it. He was super upset about it. So upset that he just like completely disappeared and let Garrosh Hellscream escape. Like that doesn't even make any sense with how irritated he was. And he tells Anduin, very specifically, he says, I believe that this is going to be best for Azeroth in the coming conflict with the Legion, and that, you know, I hope that he he hoped that Anduin would eventually understand his motives, and even stand with him as a brother when the time came. The time came and went, and rathion was nowhere to be seen. I don't think that's what rathion was talking about. So... That's kind of part of the reason why I was wondering if Rathion was behind all of this. Because, like I said, it when he left at the end of the Siege of Orgrimmar, when he flew off, he said that he was, he was going to make no mistake. He was going to do what he had to do, whatever it took to get it done. And if you're looking at the situation from the perspective of a two-year-old, because <laughs> he was only two at that point. He was still a little dragon. If you're looking at it from that perspective, you look at Garrosh, you look at Varian, you look at Varian sparing Garrosh's life, and you go, okay, there's two things out of place here. Number one, Varian's too good. Number two, Garrosh isn't bad enough. One of these situations has to change to make this thing happen that I want to happen.
2: I'm going to say something here. Go ahead. If he thought Varian was too good... Yeah. And... (laughs) Garash <laughs> wasn't bad enough letting Anduin become king of the alliance. Yeah. I know, right? Absolutely a colossally kind of, bad
0: idea. That would seem completely out of place. And the thing is, maybe he didn't think that Varian was gonna die. I don't know. I don't know. But I feel See, like there's more going on with Ratheon here than anything he initially showed us. You know what I mean? Oh, there's I do, just there's too that. many
2: weird coincidences. Yeah, and I
1: and I agree with that that he's more he's probably more involved than we think. But I, See, don't... I keep
2: coming around to this. I keep coming around to this basic idea: if the Hour of Twilight was a fake out by the old gods, especially Nazoth, to clear the direct dragons off the board, when rathion was created, rathion is exactly what Nazoth would not have wanted.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely not. Yes.
2: There's no way they want an uncorrupted black dragon. If we go by by what Dave Kosack has said, dr- you know. Deathwing is not Ratheon's biological father, but he is his grandfather because Nisandra is his daughter. She's Anixia's sister. Uh, So Deathwing's get, this is Deathwing's biological descendant. And that would make him, when he calls himself the Black Prince, he's not pulling one. He is the Black Prince. He is heir to the position of Earthwarder. If the Dragonflates came back, if somehow they managed to get around what Nazoth has done, where they sacrificed their powers to seal Deathwing away forever so he could never come back, it would be Ratheon who became the Earth Warder. Yep, by right. And we're talking we talk about the Eye of the Watcher. the uh, sorry, the Eye of the Watchers. And it was found where? It was found in um The Badlands. Old-emon? Not actually Oldemon. But a it was in, near it,
0: it was, yeah, it was in that area. And when who, you went down to go find it, it was protected by Titan stuff. Who
2: would have put it there? I, I got one name for you. I got a name for you. Tyr. Yep. Yep. Tyr is the one that led his people to what's now the Eastern kingdoms. And it was Tyr's friends and his helpers, Arcadus and Ironia, who went to Aldemond. Tier stopped, of course, to fight off the two old god minions. And who was one. the
0: dude that empowered the dragon
2: flights to begin with? Tier. Mm-hmm. And what was Tier like? What was Tier and his group called? They were the Watchers. Yeah. So what was that device? Is it the device that they used in the first place to empower the original dragon flights? I know,
0: right? Like, what was it?
2: <laughs> and now we think about this: that device is gone, but in the process it used each of the things it, it used the the dragon corpse the the wild black dragon egg and the you know the the egg of Nisandra, the heir to deathwing in its creation and it, what it did was it, in each it scanned each and removed the old god corruption and then combined them to create the egg that became ratheon and deathwing was so motivated to destroy that egg That he personally went to do it. He didn't send minions. He went to kill her himself. And she had to sacrifice her own egg. Yep. He thought he had destroyed it. Why was it so important that he destroy it personally? Why was it so important when he didn't care about so many different eggs that got destroyed? Why was this egg so important? And why didn't he keep it? Why didn't he take, say, give me the egg? Why didn't he want that egg around? When he was so concerned about reproducing his flight that he was stealing Alex, eggs to do it. Why didn't he want an uncorrupted black dragon egg?
1: Not just an uncorrupted one, but I mean, Rathion, unlike Ebonhorn, he's not tracked. Oh. He's, he's not constantly assaulted. He is. It's almost like when Rathion no gods created, don't
2: know where he is.
1: He's a blind spot. I think, and I've been thinking about this a lot. I, I think with the combination of everything we did, it isn't so much that. He is uncorrupted. He is, and I don't think that's what the process did. I think the process made him a blind spot.
0: It removed him from the matrix,
1: kinda. So, like, if you think about it, the old gods see and touch everything in some capacity because that's what they do. They're they're Actually, woven into the fabric in some way.
2: I, I I need to do this before you keep going because sure. you just made me think of this. The old gods made the pa- corrupted Deathwing, and he made a pact with them, mm-hmm. and he brought his flight into the pact. And all his descendants, whether or not they're evil, whether they're, they're part of that pact, they don't they have a choice. They're, they've, they were included. And that's why Deathwing is so about reproducing and so wants to bring in other flights. And But when he had a chance, when he had a perfect black dragon egg, he didn't want it. Because it's not part of the pact. That's what they removed. The pact is the corruption. It's just like the Curse of Flesh. Yep. The Curse of flesh is a deal. It's it's their will when you remove it. That's why they can remove it because it's them. It's their working. That's why whenever they want to, they can get you to work. They can get the Tolvia to work for them by saying, oh yeah, Deathwing knows how to remove it. Cause he doesn't know how to remove it. He has his bosses take it off you. And what does the eye of the watchers do? Why did tear know how to do that? Cause remember tear did mm-hmm. tear knew how to, pre- to prevent this. Because he got the eyes, he got the the discs of Norganon, the true discs of Norganon. He stole them, and he took them to Uldaman. Think think about what we're talking about. Because everything you guys both are saying ties into this. You're saying you think that what they removed was their ability to track him. They can't track him because he's not of them. Right. And if he's not of them, what is he? Ian talked about him being a Forge kind of dragon, but it's more than that. He is the earth water. He is. Which what happens means... when, when Caligos got that, we know that the right of succession exists. The Titans developed a right of succession for the aspects mm-hmm. because we've seen it used for Malagos's to get, and yeah. they picked Caligos. They picked Caligos, despite the fact that they were like all over the place at the time, Caligos got chosen. There's a method to this. They weren't meant to stop how do we know about the hour of twilight in the first place they told us Who are they the the aspects or the titans did the titans tell us about it i believe it was no that told us and and how
0: much can we really trust him
2: he told us about this after he saw us kill him there's there's a lot going on here that we've been in of it's course for so like complicated
0: way and we're super over time unfortunately
2: but i think if you if you look at the two things you guys have both said if you look at what we're talking about for rathion rathion is an almost perfect recreation of uncorrupted Neltharion. he's devious he's intelligent he's completely ruthless these are all qualities that Neltharion had if you go back and read the uh, dawn of the aspects book Neltharion had these aspects when he was a proto drake he was smart he was devious he was cunning. He was also capable of great affection because he loved Malagos, Loved him. Thought he was great. Yeah, he loved all of them. Yeah, that was in him. And you see that with Ratheon and Anduin. Whether or not like you want to get into the shipping, Ratheon cared enough about Anduin, thought enough of him that he tried to spare him.
0: To get him out of the way so he yeah, wouldn't he get all caught up in all of this.
2: Doesn't want him hurt. Says to him, you know, hey, when I'm big enough, maybe we can go fly places together. Straight up says that to him. That's in the book. That's not some fanfic somebody wrote, unless you count Christy Golden, and I don't think you can. No. Because she's right. You know, <laughs> it was in them. War Crimes. It was, yeah. like, flat out there
0: in War Crimes. They're, they're, like, best friends slash brothers, if nothing else. It's...
2: And, and, again, who, who is he like? He's like Naltharian. He is like his grandfather. Blood will out. When you take the Old God Corruption out, what is left is a black dragon. He is a black dragon.
0: It's pretty fascinating. Um, Rathion is one of those characters, like I said, um, multiple times over. Multiple times over. I'm a big fan of Rathion, and I was always really upset when he didn't show up. But if this is all leading up to something bigger, then I feel like we're going to see what this is all leading up to sooner rather than later. I don't know if the next expansion is going to be, you know, to go back to one of the earlier questions. I don't know if this expansion, this next expansion that's coming up is going to be anything involving the Dragon Flights or anything like that. But I feel like their involvement is about to get larger again. And I'm okay with that because I was, I was, I didn't like how they were treated at the end of Cataclysm. I didn't like it.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: I didn't think they deserved that kind of an ending. It wasn't really a noble ending. It was more like a womp womp at the end of all of this stuff that they have sacrificed and gave. It, this is how it ends. Like, that just, it didn't seem right.
1: It was literally the person who worked at the company for 30 years and then got the letter that says your services are no longer required.
0: Yeah. And it just, it was like, no, that doesn't sit right with me. So I'm kind of excited to see where things go. But regardless, we are over time here. So we need to go ahead and wrap things up. Uh, Blizzard Watch. It's made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash BlizzardWatch. And your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. And for you guys the listeners of Blizzard Watch, Audible's offering a free audiobook download with a free thirty day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. War Crimes is one of those books that's available. I know we've been talking about it a lot throughout this episode. You could get the audiobook version as your free audiobook download if you want. Uh, There's a bunch of other Blizzard titles there as well if you want to listen to other Blizzard stuff. I know we've mentioned Before the Storm several times over, Um, but if you're not interested in the Blizzard stuff, there's literally thousands and thousands of other titles available on Audible. Listen to it in your car. Listen to it, you know, in your free time. Whatever. It's all good. It's a free. You get a free download. Free downloads are great. You can download any of Blizzard titles or any of those other ones at blizzardwatch.com slash audible, where every sign-up helps support the show and everything that we do. Final thoughts, you guys. Are there any other dragons that you want to see come back and make an appearance? Because I know we've been talking Rathion to death. But are there any others that you want to see more of? soon. Joe.
1: So weird one. I still want to see a rebirth of you, Sarah. Okay. Um just because her spirit's still around and she happens to be in the Emerald Dream, which we know is already always built as a blueprint or backup of Azeroth, there's entirely a possibility that they could bring her back in some capacity in I don't want to say the same way that they do Rathion or, you know, do it in such a way that a successor is chosen in which her wisdom is bestowed upon that, that successor.
0: Sarah the Dreamer, Sarah the Awakened, Sarah the Reborn?
1: Yep. And that would be a really great excuse to go to the Dragon Isles, especially if there's a device there that helps to to kick off the uh, fertility or whatever you want to call it of the dragon races again.
0: Okay, Rossi, same question.
1: Sable
2: Mane.
0: Yes. I almost forgot I want, about him.
2: <laughs> I want all the black dragons that are currently around to come together and have kind of their family reunion, where you've got Sable Main as the heir to all the evil, crazy stuff. You've got Ebonhorn who wants to be good and is trying to like, you know, protect and shepherd his people. And then you've got Rathion, the youngest of the three, the only one that actually is free of the old gods who needs to try and deal with these two. I mean, I don't think Rathion wants to kill Ebonhorn. No, because if he did, he'd have done it by now.
1: He's had opportunity. Yeah.
2: Yeah, he'd, he'd have had that guy killed. Um, but I also think he doesn't want to leave him unwatched because Ebonhorn is not out of the pact. Just because he doesn't want to do evil stuff doesn't mean he's free. And I don't think he's aware of Sablemane. No, I. that's why it would be great to have Sablemane come back. Because Sablemane, yeah, uh, we don't have that many children of Deathwing left.
0: Rathion went through and systematically wiped all of them out, as far as we know. Except for
2: the ones... Except for the ones like Nefarian that were dead before he got to it, Um, yeah, you know. But yeah, as far as we know, the the rest are gone. But Sablemane's still alive and pretty powerful. Um, you know, he was up there, and I want to see him come back. I want to see what does he do when he comes back. What is Sablemane's plans? And I also i I don't I don't feel like I don't feel like not just the dragons got a raw deal. That's true. I absolutely do feel that way, but. I don't feel like it's a, the game, same game without dragons. Yeah. You know, it's not. I'm just gonna say this: Warcraft's bit so hard on Dungeons and Dragons that it's never getting away from it. And we we have plenty of dungeons. If we don't have enough dragons, I'm starting to feel sad and sick. It just it isn't the same game without.
1: Yeah, dun- us. Dungeons and Tentacles doesn't have the same same field. No. I, I no. want
2: <laughs> I want them to come. I want this there to be, even if they don't come back as aspects. I want there to be a future for them. In the game world, I want there to be the possibility that they could be more of them, that they could have eggs, that the eggs could hatch, there could be new baby dragons, that they could replace themselves. It doesn't have to be dragons everywhere all the time, but we have so many cool dragon flights out there, like the Stormborn that we saw in, in Legion. I don't want dragons to go away. I don't like that idea. So I would like to see that dealt with. I want to see the dragons come back.
0: Okay. Well, thank you very much, guys, for coming along on this journey of emails. We didn't get to all of them. Uh, we will probably address some more next time. Again, if you've got an email for the show, send that to podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Put Lorewatch in the subject line so that we know that it's intended for the show. Um, thanks, as always, you guys, for listening, and we will see you again in two weeks. <laughs>